And I know, of course, you come tonight looking for the man that knows it all, and you know that I am not going to disappoint you. I've got him sitting right here, Pastor David Harris. And then if he don't know it, I know Pastor Robin here, she knows it. And so I'll just divert to them and, and you know, and let them take over when I get to the point because I certainly don't know it all. But I believe as I was praying this, this afternoon, and yes, I'm still kind of old-fashioned, forgive me for that, but I still pray a little bit, you know, and, and seek the Lord a little bit because I just need so much help. Most folks probably don't need to pray as much as I do, you know, but I have to pray and seek God. But the Lord did say something, I believe, to me about this meeting tonight and some things that I believe that he wants us to accomplish. And of course, I want, since this is a prayer conference, with your permission, I would like for us to save enough time in the service tonight to actually really get to some serious show enough praying. You know what I mean? And pray together because we have prayed things out. For those of you that have been here over the years, you know, you have been in some of these prayer meetings and I see some of your faces out here that's been in these prayer meetings where we, we got in the spirit and we prayed about things and we've seen things change in this nation. We've seen people taken out of political offices and put in political offices. I'm talking about presidential situations. If you've been right here, and it came as results of prayer. We've seen people taken off Supreme Court, other people put in the Supreme Court that all started right here in prayer because we believe God together. It wasn't a one-man show, but it was us working together. And I believe that the Lord wants us to pray about some things tonight, and He'll reveal that to us. But this is what I believe that we should start in Acts chapter 1. As I was meditating today and just lying there on the bed, just resting my body, Dad Hagen taught me to do that, you know, just to rest. But I was praying in the Holy Ghost at the same time, speaking in other tongues and meditating on the Word of God. And this is what I believe I heard. Now, I'm human and I can miss it. So everybody's got to judge. So you've got to pay close attention, you know, so you can judge these things. It's not wrong to judge things based on the Word of God. <laughs> it's okay as long as it's in the Bible. So, uh, but this is what I heard uh, in my spirit. What started the present dispensation that you're in is what's going to finish and end up the dispensation that you're in. This church dispensation started with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and it's going to finish with that. You know what I mean? We haven't even touched the, really, Granny would say, scratched the surface of saying things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. But it started, the church age started with the outpouring of the Spirit of God, signs, miracles, and wonders, and the book of Acts, and people being saved by the literal thousands. I mean, just in one message. This was the beginning of the church. And that's where the Lord is bringing us back to. But the way they did it is the way we're going to have to do it, but it's just going to be multiplied. They done it under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't man's plans and ideas. And of course, there's nothing wrong with plans and ideas and programs as long as they are birthed in God and God shows us what to do and we follow him and cooperate with God. So in Acts chapter 1, let's start reading right there and uh, see what Jesus Christ said. 
Because Jesus Christ is who? We know He's the Messiah. We know He's the Son of the living God. We know He's a Savior, we would call Him, of all mankind. We know that He died for our sins. We know that He took our infirmities and has borne all our sicknesses and diseases. We know that we've been raised up together and made sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? But also, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the head. He is what we would call the boss. Boss. I don't know why this picture comes into my mind, but uh, if, I know none of you are planning to go to prison. But in Georgia, they used to have, back years ago, called the chain gang. I've been working on the chain gang. Live long days. You ain't been on there, have you? No, but... But I know about that. That's how far I go back, even though I'm a young, young man. You know what I mean? That's kind of how far I go back. And I remember that, talking about the boss, Jesus being the boss. Well, the boss man, the the guard, we called him boss, boss man. And so if uh, you needed to go to the bathroom and you was out there in the middle of nowhere, you would have to holler out. Can I shake the bushes, boss man? This is revelation, you know? I mean, this is revelation. And of course, you would think I'm speaking in tongues, but it'd say, boss man, that's the way you'd say it. Boss man, I need to shake the bushes. You say, what in the world do you want to shake the bushes for? What you're talking, let me interpret the tongue. What you're talking about, you need to go what we call to the restroom. But there's no restroom in the woods. And so the guard's got a gun, shotgun. So the only way he's going to let you step into the bushes out of sight is when you get in them bushes, you shake them. And if them bushes stop shaking, the bullets start flying. So you say, shaking the bushes, boss. And the boss say, okay, but remember, shake the bush or the bullets are going to fly. He never, we never done anything without the boss man's approval. Why? Because he had a shotgun. I'm glad Jesus doesn't have a shotgun, but we should have the same attitude and we should understand that he's still the boss man today. He is the head of the church and we say, Lord, permission to shake the world. That's what we want to do. Permission to shake the world and that's why we come to him in prayer. We don't want to just shake the bushes like we used to do on the chain gang. What we want to do is we want to shake the world. When we think of the world, we think of countries and nations probably in foreign lands. But God is thinking about Forsyth County. He's thinking about where you're from. He's thinking about coming new life in the surrounding area or wherever you're at. He wants to shake the world and he wants you involved. The thing that started this dispensation, this era, the church age we're in is what we're going to finish with, but we're going to finish in a multiplied fashion than where they finished. And so I believe that we'll pray about some of these things tonight. But in Acts chapter 1, this is the boss man, so to speak. And I don't talk, say that disrespectfully about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords. But this is what started the church age. And this is what's going to finish 
the church age. It was commands and directions from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what we're looking for today is directions from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, just like the early church got directions. You and I want to get directions from the Lord. Here is his directions. Acts chapter one, this is right, this is after he's risen from the dead. This is the 40th day that he's been on earth since he rose from the dead. He's appeared unto many and he showed them and proved that he was Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember, he appeared to the disciples that was sitting in the room and he showed them his hands, the holes. He showed them his side and he said, touch me not. I mean, touch me because I am not a spirit or a ghost because he has a flesh and bone body and it's a supernatural body. And so Jesus Christ appeared to many before this day, but this is the 40th day. He's on the earth after he rose from the dead and he's about to give some instructions for what? The church age. So it would pay us to go and read what he said in Acts chapter one, verse one. He said, the former treats, see, that's just a big word I found out for the word account. You know what I mean, treatsy? The former treatsy, have I made O Theophilus? I don't know how they come up with these names. O Theophilus. Mamas, name your babies, Theophilus. Oh, it would be a biblical name. You know what I mean? But it says, I have made a, a former treatise or account, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Notice Jesus began something, didn't he? He began something. He began to do and teach. But it didn't say he had finished yet. He began something. He started something, and that's what he's going to do. He's given an account here in the book of Acts of what Jesus Christ began. And so he's going to end it the way he began it, and we are going into this glory that Jesus Christ told us that we could have, which was the Holy Ghost. Verse 2 says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. So that's how I got that he had been on earth 40 days after he rose from the dead and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he was here on earth doing what? He was here for 40 days, and he was communicating with people, and that don't mean that he was appearing to people every single day, but he was communicating things to, about what? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and what the kingdom of God would do and accomplish here on this earth. Verse 4, says, And being assembled together with them, his disciples... He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but that they should wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. In other words, there was a promise that the Father God had promised, and he said, now I've told you about this promise. What promise as Jesus Christ know that God the Father had promised to the human race? What promise was that? I'm glad you asked because the Bible answers that. Because he said there's a promise from the Father right here. And it says here, verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, and we believe in water baptism. He said, but you should be baptized with what? The Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So we believe in water baptism, and we believe in Holy Ghost baptism, right? Amen. Amen. He said you should be baptized 
with the Holy Ghost. And of course, they have been small and large wars fought over the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And of course, we don't want to get involved in fighting no wars. But the same verse that talks about baptizing in water, which mostly every Christian believes in, this very same verse talks about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. So you'd have to tear half the verse out to say baptism in water was okay today, but baptism in the Holy Ghost is not okay today. There's nowhere in here that says that it's passed away. So he said, John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They was looking for Jesus to set up a natural physical kingdom and delivered them from the rule of the Romans. Wasn't that right? Then take them out of that and out of that bondage. He looked, they looked to Jesus from a natural perspective. And many people, if you don't watch it, you can look at Jesus only as a natural perspective, but he wants to see him in a supernatural way. Amen. Verse 7. Then he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which your father has put in his own power or his own authority. He says, But you shall receive power, which means supernatural miracle working ability that you cannot possess without being baptized baptized with the Holy Ghost uh, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, uh, he was taken up uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, uh, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee... Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So we see here that Jesus Christ started this age or dispensation of the church age that we're in. How? Through the baptism and outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And you could go through the book of Acts and you could see it's actually Acts of the Holy Ghost instead of Acts of the Apostles because the Holy Ghost was working through the Apostles. Isn't that right? So when the Holy Ghost comes and to dwell in us, which he did in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost was poured out as they sought God and obeyed what Jesus told them to do and they tarried in Jerusalem until they was endued with this power from on high and they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Isn't that right? And so after that experience, and they went forth with power, signs, and wonders. And that's what we've come back to in this day that we live in today. And God is moving in a supernatural way. Now you would say, well, Brother Randy, how did you come across this Acts chapter 1? And how did you come into the place of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I actually tripped up on this uh, as a, a born again uh, Christian that had just come back from my third escape from prison. So I guess to trip up on Acts chapter 1, you've got to go to prison and you've got to escape. I escaped three times. Somebody asked me one time, said, why, didn't you, why did you escape three times? Well, I said, I didn't get it right the first time. 
I said I didn't get it right the second time, but I finally got away the third time. And I'm not saying escaping from prison was right. It was a miserable existence. But on this third escape from prison, that's when that I realized that there was somebody that I needed some help from, and his name was Jesus Christ. I was driving down the road in Galveston, Texas, the first week of May of 1982, when I met a man named Jesus Christ. Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus. I met the Lord on the road to Galveston, Texas. Now, I didn't see him with my eyes, but I ran into him in the spirit, and I had a spiritual experience, and I got born again, and my life changed in a matter of 10 minutes. I had turned myself, after I got born again, I turned myself into a police officer there on Seawall Boulevard in Galveston, Texas, told them I was on escape from prison. I was running from five felony charges that, and that I had never been to uh, court for. And I was facing life without the possibility of parole, no hope of getting out of prison again. And that's why I was desperately trying to get away from the authorities. But God had other plans for my life and thank God he did. And then this van that I was in was going to rob somebody that day in Seawall Boulevard because I was going to leave the country. I had these great plans uh, that I was going to go over into Mexico and I was going to live happily ever after. But God has other plans. But I needed uh, upwards of $8,000, which I didn't have uh, uh, close to that. I had some, but not. And I was going to rob this place uh, and get this money. And robbery is not right, by the way. <laughs> but I do know how to take an offering. I do. I can get an offering. Dad Hagen, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, talk, uh, talked to me over in Charlotte, North Carolina at his first minister's conference. He, he told me, he said, he called me on the phone. I was over there and he said, uh, he said, Brother Randy, he said, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to take up the offering on this particular night. And I said, you, you sure about this, Dad? I said, I don't, I don't normally take up offerings. He said, yes. He said, you'll be anointed to do it. The Lord told me to tell you to do it. I said, yes, sir, I can do it. I'm anointed. And I hung up the phone. I said, oh, Lord, why did he call me? How, how am I going to take up an offering? What's the budget of this meeting? I was thinking about the budget. I mean, it had to be close to $35,000, $40,000, you know, for the budget. And I thought, well, if I don't get it, he'll make me pay it. So I, I, what I do in my meetings, I try to let people take up an offering on a quota basis, you know. I've had Dr. Harris here do that. I say, Dr. Harris, you just take it up on a quota basis. If you don't get it, you put it in. Amen. <laughs> and it makes people not want to be so quick. You know what I mean? And so I didn't know what I was going to do. I was in fear and trembling. All before Brother Hagin's audience, all these preachers, all the who's who, you know, and in the body of Christ of that day that was in our realm and sphere, or Dad Hagin's sphere of influence. And he's calling this convict boy up there to take up an offering. And that's what he said, Brother Randy, he said, the Lord told me, Brother Randy Greer is supposed to come up here and take the offering. I didn't know what I was going to say. I fasted. I prayed. I'd done everything because I had two days to, you know, to fret about it, you know. And I know Pastor Harris has taught me his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but at that time it didn't seem like it. It seemed like this thing was heavy and I was carrying that Buddhist thing that they was talking about. Oh, God, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Lord, let this pass from me. Because I didn't know what I was going to do and I didn't want to flop, you know. And so in the service, I still didn't know what I was going to do, what I was going to say. So as soon as he called my name, said, Brother Randy Greer, come up here. I got up out of my seat, started walking, and then the Lord said to me, he said, if anybody in this room knows how to receive an offering or take an offering, he said, you do. 
And it dawned on me. It became revelation. I did know how to take an offering. There are two ways. You can receive it and you can willfully give it or I can take it from you. I've got a career path. I've got that career path so I can do it. I knew those two ways. And the Lord said, just get up and tell them that. And I did. And we got a real big offering too. <laughs> In fact, I took up offerings after that. They had me taking them up. They get the convict up here and been in prison for armed robbery. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this, I was on this third escape from prison. This Holy Ghost that Jesus is talking about, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who is a personality. He's not a blob. He's not floating through the air like Casper the Friendly Ghost. But I received the Lord as my Savior and the Holy Spirit came into my life and I, turned, I knew that I needed to change. I quit lying about who I was, cheating and stealing. These people that was in this van with me to rob this place, they thought I had lost my mind because they jumped out of the van and they started running out down behind the van because I could see when the door opened and closed, I could see them in the mirror and I could see them running away and they were saying, he's crazy. He's lost his mind. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. I found out if you're going to do anything, you need to lose your mind and you need to get the mind of Christ. Amen. And that's what happened to me that day. And so... I turned myself in. I found a police officer there on the roadside and I told him my experience. I told him I, been, I got saved and I was just a mess. Of course, they put me in shackle chains and handcuffs, took me to prison and I wound up in Holman Prison. It's there where I started reading the Bible and I just assumed that Jesus would come the next day and I didn't have time to read the entire Bible right then so I was gonna start reading the book of John. Somebody told me to read the book of John. So I did, St. John. So I got in St. John, started reading St. John and I got down to Acts chapter one. When I got to Acts chapter one, I could see in Acts chapter one that uh, Jesus commanded his disciples. If you'll notice, he commanded them. A command is an order. It's not an invitation. He commanded his disciples to be in wait for this promise of the Father and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, I grew up around old time Pentecost and so I knew about it, but I'd been so far away from that and so far removed from that over the years that I just wrote it up and wrote it off as they was just nuts and out of their mind. And I remembered them acting all kinds of strange ways, you know, in the church back then. In fact, we didn't have any nurseries, you know, or children's services or nothing. And all we had was a little, you know, frame church with, with wooden pews. And I remember mama, the only safe place for the kids or little ones especially was underneath the pew. And so we would lay down there. Mom would bring a blanket and a pillow and everything and she would put us under the pew because then people would get to dancing and a shouting and a running and a jumping and Sister Vassie, I don't know if you knew Sister Vassie, but that lady had eaten some beans and taters and I'm not a knocking her, but uh, when she come a dancing, the whole world shook and that little old wood flame ch church, you know, would bounce around there pretty good and I'm not belittling anything. I mean, she was full of the Holy Ghost. You could see it upon her and you could tell it was on her. I'm just telling you, she was full. That's why I tell people I preach the full gospel. There ain't no fooling around here, you know what I mean? So I'm not belittling anybody. And so we had to get up under her, uh, under mama, because Sister Vassie would wear a pink dress. Back then, you had to wear, if you showed any leg, you was going to hell. I don't know if you knew that or not. 
I mean, you couldn't show no leg. I mean, that above the knee and all that kind of stuff or so many inches here, forget it. There was no leg a-showing whatsoever. And they wore them stockings, you know what I mean, that made them look like uh, that they had been dead for six years. You know what I mean? I, excuse me, I, I, excuse me, because you dare not see through that stocking and see any flesh. You couldn't do that. Brother Will, you need to go back in time. You'll see some of this. We have come. I mean, do you think today we hadn't progressed very far, but you don't know from whence we have come. My God, just have mercy on us. Have mercy. We'll get there. But I mean, and Sister Vassy, she'd get happy. Oh, Lord. She'd get so happy and she'd get to singing and you couldn't cut your hair. I don't know if you remember them days or not, ladies, but you couldn't cut your hair. And if you cut your hair, I mean, it was over because the pastor had picked you out when you come in the door and if you had your hair bobbed, bobbed. I know y'all got all kinds of stick em ups today, but they called it bobbing back then. If they bobbed their hair, it was over and they became the sermon of the day. And brother, the pastor would scorch them. I'm talking about, and uh, he would preach hell so hot. Uh, I mean, we would wiggle in our seats. Uh, you could feel the flames of fire coming out of the floor. And by the time he got through, I'm telling you, every saint thought they was on their way to hell. And brother, we hit that altar. We got saved Sunday morning. We got saved Sunday night. We got saved Wednesday night. And if we had a two-week or three-week or four-week or five-week revival, we got saved every night. Because brother, we was on our way to hell. Because something we had done. And so mama would put us underneath the pew, said, what's this got to do with a prayer conference? I don't know, but just hang on. We're handed somewhere. And so mama would put us under the pew because Sister Vassie got to going. Then, oh my God, she would dance, she would shout, and she always, always wound up on top of the pew, dancing around the pew and hopping over them and things with this long pink dress with these stockings on that made her look like she'd been dead six years, you know what I mean? And then her hair that was all bobby pinned up, you know what I mean? They wore the, you know, the bun thing back in that day. Now they'd just stack it up, she'd get to shaking like this, you know what I mean? And, and, and we'd say, mama, mama, cause we'd be scared, you know, we didn't know. <laughs> we as kids, you know, we, but we'd be scared. We'd say, what's wrong with Sister Vassie? Oh, they said, Honey, shh, she's got the Holy Ghost. It looked like to me that the Holy Ghost had her. I mean, it, it was something going on here, you know? All this kind of stuff, and I thought, oh, Lord. So any experience we can have today in the church, we've come through that. We've had experiences, a lot of things that was wrong. But the Holy Ghost can make a lot of things right. Amen. You know, our methods were not always right. Even today, not every method I even think is right is necessarily godly right. You know what I mean? And that may surprise you. But mama would hide us under the pew and they would come dancing by. And then Sister Baker. Sister Baker was a frail, thin thing. I mean frail. She had to stay out of the way of Sister Vassie and several of the rest of them. Because if they got to dancing, they call it getting lost in the spirit. I mean, literally, these folks, you'd have to see it. They would be, I seen them run the tops of the pews with their eyes closed. 
like they was at the, the what do you call them races they do? It was hundred used to be the hundred yard dash, and that's meters, and they trying to change my vocabulary. But they would run the tops of the pews with their eyes closed, run all the way to the back of the church, and us kids would be praying, "Oh God, don't let them hit the wall." My boom, and just whirl around and come back. Run in the spirit. All kinds of things would happen. Pot-bellied stove sitting out in the middle of the old tabernacle we have. And they would dance up against that thing. Fall, and it's red hot. Do you know what a pot-bellied stove is? Somebody said Google it. <laughs> the youth know how to Google it. Pull up the pot-bellied stove. And just dance up against that thing. And come away, not, I mean, not trying to, you know, but just get excited about it. And Sister Baker, she knew one way and one way only to yield to the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit came upon her, and he can, you can sense a tangible anointing of the Spirit of God. But that doesn't mean that you always sense that. And that's why some people think sometimes he's not there, but you can sense the tangible anointing of God come upon you. And so Sister Baker would play the piano. And she would get up there playing and carrying a little frail thing, you know. And the only thing she knew to do is when the Holy Spirit came on her, she would just stop and let out a blood-curdling scream. <laughs> and I'm not saying it because she's got a higher tone voice than I do. And that's when us kids, we would duck back in our shell. We would get... We'd think, oh God, and we would peek out from under the blanket and pillow, wonder what's going to happen next. And then I look at my daddy and I get concerned about him because he's standing up there like this. He's just standing there, you know. And I'm thinking, oh God, what's he going to do stupid now? Oh God. And I know we're not supposed to think that about our daddy's youth, but I had the same thoughts you have. Oh, God, Daddy's going to embarrass us again. He stands there, you know. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And he gets to saying, oh, Jesus. And then he goes like this, you know. His head gets to jerking. Oh, Jesus. And we're watching him. We don't know what's going to happen. Mama's highfalutin. My mama was, you know what I mean? And she said, Hubert, that's my daddy's name, Donald Hubert Greer, you know. Hubert, you ought not make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> oh, woman, come on and get in with me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. And he'd get to shaking. He'd rock his head back and forth. And he's all right as long as he started doing that. But if he ever got to doing this, like this, oh, Lord, something was going to happen with daddy. And you could tell something had him. He was getting lost in the spirit. And he would stagger around. Sometimes we would be under tents with just a hay down. They'd put hay down where it wouldn't be just the raw ground. And daddy would fall out. They called it fall out in the spirit. We call it being slain in the spirit. And he would just be slain or fall out in the spirit. And he'd roll around in there. That's why they called them holy rollers. Hey, get ready, youth. I mean, you're laughing now, but I'm going to watch you roll and I'm going to laugh. My God, I'm going to laugh. Because when the Holy Ghost gets on you and you yield to him, I'm telling you, there's a place that you can get to in God that you can be lost in the spirit. I'm telling you. And so daddy would roll around down there on the ground and oh my Lord, and we're hiding, you know, oh Jesus, uh, that's don't let nobody know that's my daddy. You know, oh God. 
And then finally he would get up staggering around and he'd have that hay sticking out of his clothes and his hair and he looked like a scarecrow. That's about what he looked like. And he's a shouting and a praising God, a dancing and a running and a jumping and carrying home. So that's about my knowledge of the Holy Ghost from the time I was a child. And you could see I was trying to block it from my memory because I, I couldn't think of anything because it looked like they said it felt good, but it looked like it's a hurting them. You know what I mean, my God? I, I, I mean, it looked like it was a hurting them to me. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it looked like it sure enough. I mean, you talking about break dancing, brother, they could break dance in the Pentecostal church. Do you think they've invented something new? My God, that stuff come out of Pentecost. My God, they can break dance. I mean, they danced, they shouted, they run under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, God is real. And the power of God is real. And that's what we're coming back to. We may not understand it. I didn't understand it then as a kid. And I'm not saying I understand it all now. But I do know that we can yield to God. And we can get lost in the spirit. If the old timers done it in the book of Acts back there. And they done it in our generation here in latter years. We can yield to God in this year. But we're coming back. The same thing that started us in the church age is what's going to take us out. It's going to be multiplied. So here I am, I'm born again, you know, and I get to the book of Acts and I read where it commands to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm back in prison now. Remember, I turned myself in, they took me back to prison and I started reading in St. John, got to Acts chapter one. And when I saw Acts chapter one about being commanded to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I started asking my friends, you know, around there. I remember Donald, he slept beside me. He was in prison for first degree murder. And I'll tell you what... uh, when you harbor bitterness in your heart and envy and strife in your heart, if somebody does you wrong and you don't forgive them, it'll fester, it'll fester, it'll fester, and it'll eventually turn into hatred. And hatred will cause you to do things that you shouldn't do. So my friend Donald that slept beside me, he was in prison for first degree murder. And the only reason he got to life without parole instead of the death sentence, and it was death by electrocution at that time in Holman Prison, the only reason he did not get the electric chair death sentence is because he pled guilty. But this is what happened. There was this individual, a lady, a girl, that accused him of raping her. And he didn't. She testified in court that he did. Got her family members to testify that he did. So he went to prison for four years. That he did not commit the crime. Now I know this man and I I just have to take his word for it. You know what I mean? And I believe him because he told the truth. He was a truthful guy. And he he was a good guy. But it come out because this guy and girl had been dating and he thought that she was too wild for him so he broke off the relationship and so she accused him of raping her, which he never did. There's no kind of what you call evidence that they could find, anything like that. But because of the witnesses, the family members that witnessed and testified against him, including the girl too, then he had to go to prison four years. And this is what he told me. It's his story. This is, I, I met him. After this event, he's back on his second prison experience. Never been arrested for anything prior to being accused of this rape and thrown into prison wrongfully. So I'm, I'm seeing him the second time. He told me, he said, the whole four years I was there, he said, I developed hatred in my heart for that family. And he said, I made the decision 
that when I got out, I was going to kill every single one of them. And he was one of them guys that didn't talk. He done it. You got dogs that bark and you got dogs that bite. Human beings are that way too. You got to know when you look a man in the eyes whether he'll kill you or not or he's just talking. I learned that in prison. That's why I'm alive today. Some people are just talk and some people will take your life and so you have to be aware all the time. So he told me when he got out, he said what he was going to do, he didn't plan on killing but just a few of them that testified against him. But he took a loaded rifle after he got out and he went in the evening time and he went into this house. He just busted the door down, kicked it down. He's a pretty strong fella. He could probably just whoop them all. But he was so filled with hatred, he wanted to kill them. He kicked the door down and he went in and the first one he saw was the girl and he shot her dead there. Then the man, a man ran at him, he shot him. Then another man ran, he shot him. And then run, one took off down the hall and he started shooting and the man was dodging going down the hall of the house and the bullets were going through the wall. Awful event happened. He shot a child in the bed and killed the child too. But he killed everybody in that house, sat down, wiped the blood off because he picked up the child with his hands and he realized that I've shot a child. And he broke. And the first thing he done is what I say, wipe the blood off. He took the child and he started running. And of course, it was a long ways to his car and he didn't have any car. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he was going to try to save the child's life, but he couldn't. And the child died in his hands and he seen it was too late. So he went back to the house, laid the child down on the bed, covered the child up, got on the phone, called 911 and said, I just killed everybody in this house. Would you please come arrest me? That was my friend I was sleeping beside. Have you checked your neighbors lately? (laughs) But this gentleman, I'll tell you, he got born again after this experience. He became so repentant, and this is what he would tell me. Because I would tell him, I'd say, Donald, I said, God loves you, and he's forgiven you. He said, I know it. He said, but I'll never be able to forgive myself for what I've done. And he said, I want to stay in prison the rest of my life. And he did. He's still there today. I visited him and talked to him in, in years past. But he said, I want to stay here. He said, what I've done was wrong. And he said, I can't believe God like you did. He said, I, I just can't. He said, I can't forgive myself. And sometimes you have problems with that, you know. And I'm not saying what he's done was right. So anyway, Donald, how'd y'all get me over there? The Holy Ghost changed Don's life. He became repentant, very broken, I mean, he would just weep at the drop of a hat because uh, he would be concerned about somebody and the condition of somebody and getting somebody saved. And so I started talking to him because I run into Acts chapter 1. He wasn't baptized with the Holy Ghost, so I asked him about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and what he thought about Acts chapter 1. He said, well, I see that it's in the Bible. He said, but from what I can see there, he said, I believe that that's passed away and it's not necessary. It's just something that God was doing in that time. He said, but I don't, I don't believe it is. He said, if you want to go for it, he said, you can. I said, okay. So I went to church, you know, and there were some good people coming in and, uh, from the free world. Free world is anybody that's not locked up with you in prison. 
So when a free world preacher come in, it meant they wasn't a convict. And so I went to a couple of these free world preachers that would come in, and I would show them the book of Acts, wonderful preachers, one wonderful men of God, you know. And I asked them about it, and they said, oh, no. I said, that's not for you today. And he said, that's speaking in tongues, you know, speaking in tongues is of the devil. He said, so you want to stay away from that. And so I, I was just concerned. You know, I couldn't see it in the Bible anywhere. And I, I talked respectfully to the man, you know, and I listened to him. And this went on for about a month and a half to two months. And so finally, I got to a place that I said to myself, you know, he told me, because I'd been thinking about it, that speaking in tongues is of the devil. And I got to thinking, I'm in prison with a bunch of devils. But I ain't heard nobody in here speaking in tongues. I mean, I got murderers sleeping here on right around me. I mean, not even Christian murderers either. I'm talking about murderers that key at the drop of a hat. And if anybody ought to speak in tongues, it ought to be them. If it's of the devil, then I got to thinking, man, how many times did I serve the devil? How, how much a mess have I been in? How many nightclubs and juke joints we used to call them? that I ever been in? A lot. And I never heard anybody speaking in tongues in one of the juke joints. I heard a lot of things said. It wasn't proper, but it wasn't other tongues. And I see some of these saints around here. Pastor, when they get their picture for you. You know what I mean? They can identify with this. And then I thought about it. I was so full of the devil myself if anybody should have spoken in tongues, it should have been me. So I just figured up all this and thought it out naturally, read the scriptures to go along with it, couldn't find anywhere it says it passed away. So I decided, well, what I've got to do is I need to receive this experience. So now I'm on a journey and I want to receive this experience. And all I can remember is that they used to tell them around the altar, give God your tongue, brother. Give God your tongue, sister. I remember that under the pew, you know. And mom would have a blanket and a pillow where we could lay down there and hide, you know, us youngins. And we'd be right there at the front. Mom always made sure it was up there, you know. And, and the altar would be down here and you had to be at the altar. and You had to be kneeling down. You had to have your eyes closed. There's a lot of things you had to do in that day that y'all get away with in this day. <laughs> Thank God. But anyway, I remember they'd say, give God your tongue, brother. Good God your tongue, sister. So I decided I was going to give God my tongue. So I went down to the chapel and uh, I took the piano and I turned it catacornered. Do y'all know what catacornered is? We put it, I put it in the corner of the room. It was on rollers, on wheels, and it was a tile floor, you know, and, and I could roll it across there and I put it catacornered and I got around behind it and there was nobody in it. It's a little small chapel. And I got around behind it and I took the piano bench and I made that my altar because you have to be at the altar so I, I knelt down at the altar there at the piano bench and I said, all right now, Lord. I said, I remember as a kid that they said to give God your tongue. I said, I'm going to give you my tongue so that I can speak in tongues. Now, God, I'm going to release it to you and I ask you to right now cause me to speak in tongues and I stuck my tongue out. Can I tell you my experience? I can save you a lot of trouble. You can stick your tongue out for a few minutes, maybe 30 seconds, and it's all right. But if you stick your tongue out over a continual period, what happens is the the moisture leaves it, the saliva leaves your tongue, 
And, and what happens is it gets dry. When your tongue gets dry, don't try this at home, by the way. And, but, but when your tongue gets dry, it swells up and it gets thick. And so I got my tongue stuck out of my mouth like some idiot over there in the corner of the chapel. You know God in heaven and all the angels had to be sitting there in the theater watching this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We got to see this guy. Would you look at that, Gabriel? Would you look at that idiot down there? My God, Jesus, Father, look at him. Oh, my God. We hadn't laughed like this in years. Oh, my God. Look at that boy. But they also, I believe, saw a sincere heart. I was sincerely wrong. You can be sincerely wrong just like you can be sincerely right. So I'm down there and I got my tongue and it's hanging out. And this is for an extended period because I felt like if I pulled it back in, it would stop the flow of power that was supposed to come on me. So it was a job. In fact, I had to clamp down the back side of it with my teeth, my front teeth, to kind of keep it poking out. You know what I mean? And then after a while, I got to thinking, I tried to move it around a little bit, you know, up and down, and it had swole up so, and it messed up my muscles in my tongue. You know, that's a, you use it certain ways, but you don't stick it out very long. But my muscles had gotten tight and everything, and I couldn't hardly flop it around or anything, you know, and I, th- I got concerned that uh, something's happening here, but I don't know if it's the right thing. You know, I don't know if this is to what they call the Holy Ghost or not, and that give God your tongue brother stuff uh, it don't seem to be working like it worked for them you know and so I'm sitting out there and then finally it just came to this conclusion I got a revelation you want me to share my revelation save you the trouble if the Holy Ghost had come on me I couldn't even talk in English much less (laughs) tongues it finally dawned on me I couldn't even talk and so now I decided I gave it up as a bad job. And I said, this stuff won't work. And so I started trying to get my tongue back in. But it was so swole up and everything, it didn't want to go back. So I had to take my hand and kind of maneuver it. You know what I mean? And kind of push and and shove and and try to get it back in there. And I'm kneeling behind this uh, piano, thanking God that Chaplain Smith didn't come in. Because if he'd have came in and he'd have saw this debacle that I was going through, they would have sung that song over me. They're coming to take him away. Ah, they're coming to take him away to the funny farm. And rightfully so. Because I'm so goofed up. I'm so messed up. And I'm sitting there. And I'm so distraught. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, I'm not going to leave right here unless Chaplain Smith comes to I and get my tongue moving again. So after about 45 minutes, I got movement back. You know what I mean? Where I could go around and it got moisture back in it. And I decided, well, this is not the way to do it. And so I went back and I told Donald about it. You know, he's my friend. You know, that's there. He's saved, you know, and that's the one that done all these bad things. But, uh, you know, Jesus was a friend to anybody. He didn't condemn people and I didn't either. I led a lot of people to the Lord. You know what I mean? And I don't say that in pride, but a lot of other people, because I befriended them. It didn't matter what they'd done or where they'd come from. You know, and it's kind of hard to block that out of your mind. I told the story this morning. Wasn't it about Ted? Was it about Ted this morning? Uh And about how he chopped a girl to pieces with an ax, just like you'd chop up firewood, an awful thing. But he came to Jesus because I accepted him just like Jesus would. And he got born again. 
I didn't finish telling the story this morning, but Ted is out preaching the gospel today. And he had life without the possibility of parole. But God is able to do those things. So I told Donald about it. He said, well, he said, what are you going to do now? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to fast until I get the Holy Ghost. I said, how are you going to fast? I said, I'm not going to eat any food and I'm not going to drink any water. Because I heard him talking about fasting. I didn't know how it related to getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I just wanted God in my ignorance. Uh, I wanted to try it. So I decided I'm going to fast. So for three days, I went three days eating no food, drinking no juice, and drinking no water. Can I tell you my experience? <laughs> this will help you. This will help you right here. This will help you. <laughs> After three days of no water, in your system, your skin starts getting flaky like a snake. And Donald, my friend, observed my flakiness. <laughs> he said, Brother Randy, he said, I know that you're trying to seek this experience you're talking about. He said, but undoubtedly, the way you're trying to do it ain't right. He said, you look more like the devil than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Why do you say that for? He said, because your skin's got scales on it, boy. He said, you better drink some water at least. And of course, I was mad for a few minutes because my friend had confronted me and he was right. But then I calmed down and I went and got me some water. I got me a Coca-Cola and I got me a Milky Way candy bar. And I made me some chocolate milk. Oh, if you've never made chocolate milk with a Milky Way candy bar, you are missing half of your life. First of all, you've got to get a tin cup. This is a tin cup. They'd give you a tin cup that had a little handle. You could put your thing through it. The tin cup, I guess it would hold, you know, eight, nine, ten ounces, you know, or something. And then you've got to learn how to make a, a bun, a warmer bun out of toilet paper. Kids, don't try this at home. Adults, don't let your husband, ladies, try it in the bathroom. Anyway, you take the toilet paper. Say, so what's this got to do with God and prayer and all this kind of stuff? Pastor Harris has to straighten this out. That's all I can tell you. And you take the toilet paper and you've got to learn how to wrap this toilet paper. And at the same time, you've got to have somebody else, another convict, hot railing for you. Hot railing. I'm not talking about a race car. Hot rail means that when somebody goes up to the rail and sits on this bar, little rail thing, and if they see the man coming, they say, hot rail. And that's a way to say the guard's coming without the guard knowing that you're saying he's coming. Hot rail. He's coming. And that means you stop what you're doing because if they see you doing this, then you're going to get in trouble. You take this... Uh, uh, toilet paper and you wrap it around you put your hand out at just the right size this is an art and I know y'all go to college for arts and sciences my god it's an art to go to prison and you have to learn these things and you have to wrap it around there not real tight because if you wrap it tight it won't get no oxygen it won't burn we had engineers in there that knew this stuff my god you just wrap it around there just right and then you fold it over at the top not real hard you fold it under at the bottom and then you set it down on the concrete floor. And then you get you a, a match and you get ready to light it. You get you a magazine and you roll it up real tight. And you make it like a cone. It's small at one end, gets larger at the other end. And you take that magazine and you wet it a little bit. Because you don't want it to catch on fire in your cooking process. You can make your Milky Way drink tonight. But anyway... <laughs> 
Then you stick that magazine through the handle of that little cup. You just stick it through there. And so that gives you a little handle. You got your cup out there and then you light your bun and then you take your water. You put water in there and you fill it half full, only half full because you're going to put a candy bar in this thing. And then you start heating this water. You got somebody watching for the man to holler hot rail at the same time. And then you get this water until it starts steaming there. Smoke's going everywhere. And you got convicts around with blankets fanning the smoke out of the <laughs> cell block. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, then the guard's going to find out you're back there burning something, you know? And so they're fanning and you get the water at just the right temperature. You can just take it and touch it as an artist and find out how hot it's got to be. Then you take that Milky Way candy bar. If you could get a king size one, you was somebody. And king size in that day is not the same size as this day. You understand? They make some big ones today. Then you put that thing in there, in that water, and then you keep heating it till it starts boiling, and then you start stirring that Milky Way candy bar up, and you turn it into a, a solid, you know, break it down from a solid to a liquid, and then that whole thing melts together, and you've got Milky Way chocolate milk. Oh, my Lord, I know you're going to make some of this at home. What's this got to do with the Holy Ghost? But anyway, here we are. Had my chocolate milk, everything's fine because that's what I had to do, you know. I got my strength back. And then I got a hold to a book about that same time that all this is going on by Reverend Kenneth E. Hagin about the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit. Why couldn't I got that thing three months earlier? Why couldn't somebody put it in my hands? I would have saved me a long journey and a lot of trouble. But then I found out that all I got to do is receive him He's here right now. So I went to the prison chapel on that Sunday. They had a free world guy that was up there ministering. And he stopped when he was ministering. He said, I perceive in my spirit there's at least one, maybe two, who's received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, you don't have to seek God for him anymore. He was poured out Acts chapter 2. He said, just receive him. And he went back to speaking these languages I'd never heard. I heard somebody else talking in tongues. Looked around. Guess what? It was me. I had stood to my feet and I was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance and I stepped into a realm of the Spirit I had never been in before. From that day, uh, now up to that day, two of my best friends had been stabbed to death because they would not deny Jesus Christ. But after that day, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and then others started coming in too, you know, we started praying in the Spirit praying in other tongues and God would show us things to do, show us places not to be and, and dormitories don't go in there because this is going to happen. I lived through three prison riots. I'm talking about the kind where the guards come in with the machine guns, the pick handles uh, and the full riot gear and they beat people and shoot people because, of, you know, rightfully so because the inmates are going nuts uh, and we survived three prison riots uh, because we was baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, God supernaturally equipped us and enabled us. Ladies and gentlemen, the key to victory in your life is praying in the Holy Ghost, being baptized in the Holy Ghost and making much of the Holy Ghost in your life. Get back to the place 
that you're praying in the Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Yes, there's a lot of experiences we can have, but the best thing that we can do is to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and then take and use Him and allow Him, I say use Him, you know what I'm talking about, allow Him to work through us to pray out the mind and will and plan of God. And the Lord would help us in prison. Revival, we call it, broke out and many people begin to get saved. That same Holy Ghost is right here with us tonight and that same Holy Ghost will help you in any single area of your life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power and the anointing of God. Hello, we